Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Living Leadership, Building Better Communities. Today, we're going to be talking about resiliency. And earlier, we had our live webinar, which is part one of all of these episodes. Uh, we talk about resiliency specifically in the workplace. And during our follow-up conversation today, we're going to dig even further into resiliency and how it's at play outside of the workplace in our everyday lives and in our community as well. And we're joined today by Jill yashinsky Wartman and Juanita Rosler, who I will further introduce shortly, but we're so excited to have them here with us. Um, I'm also joined by my co-host, Kelsey Solberg, who is the Director of Professional and Community Education in the School of Leadership Studies. And if you haven't had a chance to watch Jill and Juanita's webinar yet, I highly recommend you do so. You can find links to all the webinars and the podcasts on our website, gonzaga.edu slash webinars. And last thing before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to our Living Leadership sponsors, Integris Architecture, STCU, Canopy Credit Union, and Stevens Clay Law Firm. Um, we are endlessly thankful for all of your support of our series. So I'm going to Go ahead and get started by reintroducing our presenters. Um, for those of you who didn't watch the podcast or the webinar, um, starting with Jill. For 15 years, Jill worked in higher education, helping college students make healthy choices. Jill and her team merged positive psychology principles and public health to help create communities of well-being in the college environment. In 2018, Jill experienced a life-changing loss and left her higher education career to pursue her passion for coaching. And today she empowers clients to live their passions by helping them silence their inner critic, overcome fear and lead confidently. Jill is a co-active training institute certified coach, appreciative inquiry practitioner, International Coaching Federation certified coach and trained big playing big facilitator. And Jill is joined today by Juanita, who is a seasoned speaker and an experienced human resource professional, having served in a human resource capacity in government, for-profit and nonprofit organizations. She is passionate about creating inclusive organizations where people thrive collectively and as individuals. An engaging, authentic speaker, Juanita has presented impactful workshops at Gonzaga University's Women Lead, Spokane and Seattle conferences, as well as other business events. She served on Washington State Human Resource Council for SHRM, was part of primetime mentoring with Spokane School District, and is currently on the Human Resource Advisory Board for the Gonzaga University Business Administration HR Concentration. Um, she's a graduate of Eastern Washington University, a wife to her spouse, Mike, and a mom to two young boys, Kai and Benton. Welcome back, you two. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah. Um, I'd love to just start out by asking you to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about what you do and why you are so passionate about this topic of resiliency. Yeah. Jill, do you want to get us started? Sure, I can. Um, I am Jill. Gosh, you said lots about my professional achievements in, in my intro, but really I'm a mom. I'm a chaos coordinator. I'm a youth soccer coach. <laughs> I'm a hobby chicken farmer. If you hear chickens in the background, I have baby chicks in my living room right now. Um, and, you know, what I get to do is honestly, I... I get to live my best life. I get to coach people and watch them have these really amazing moments where there's all of a sudden this like light bulb above their head or this renewed energy about what could be in their life and then taking risks and, and really chasing after the things that they want. Um, and 
it's amazing and incredible. And it, it's so fun to walk along people in their personal journeys. So that that is what I get to do as a coach. And in consulting, I'm often working in organizations of how can they make their culture better? How can they create a feedback culture? How do they get their teams to work better and, and people to really um, see and value the different perceptions and perspectives of others? So um, lots of fun things and, and in and out of my professional life. What about yeah, you, Anita? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Juanita Rossler. Um, I might have to steal that, Jill, a, a chaos coordinator, except for I feel like at this phase, my boys are two and four. So uh, I think I'm more like a referee coordinator. Is that, is that, that is like, no, no, you know, trying to, to level that out. So uh, a little bit more about uh, my day today. So I serve as an HR business partner and I um, serve particularly in um, a sales division for Pitney Bowes is the organization I work for. Um, and I would say the day today is all over the board. And my focus, if you look at it in the big picture, is to really be a strategic partner to our business when it comes to employee engagement, performance management. Uh, really, those are the, the focus areas in helping our culture move forward, whether there's a communication initiative coming out or uh, a change management initiative, or we're just trying to better serve our clients. And so partnering with our, our managers, our directors, our, our VPs to ensure how our employees, you know, ready to, for the next change, because we sell a product, of course, many products, um, and how can they be in a position to better serve our clients and in turn, um, really be there to support them as well. So, yeah. And referee mm -hmm. all the time. Just <laughs> <And referee>. a <laughs> warning, they don't grow out of that, at least oh, not experience yet. Yeah. So <laughs> but you can make them self-referee more later. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I only have dogs, but I still feel like a little bit of a chaos coordinator. I don't know that they'll ever become self-referees, but <laughs> at a time. <laughs> well, it's so good to have you both here. And I think um you know, one of the things like the the word resilience or the idea of resiliency has become such a buzz, I think, especially over the last couple of years is um, we've kind of gone through this large global kind of experience of the pandemic and um, and then all of all of what that's meant for so many people over the last couple of years. Um, and then even thinking about um, like climate change, for example, we talk a lot about resiliency in that space. So I think that there's a lot of different understandings maybe of what resilience means. So um, we're hoping you guys can tell us a little bit about how you define resilience, at least in, the, in terms of how we'll be talking about it today. And then what do you think are maybe some misconceptions that people might have about resiliency um, or kind of what it means to be resilient? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always think about resiliency as to me, it's the same as learning and growing, right? When we learn, when we go through growth and learning and we're in that space that sometimes is uncomfortable, it's that opportunity to learn from it, reflect on it, and then go forward with that new knowledge. It's in some ways, it's like when we know better, we do better. Kind of that idea to me often fits in there, but it's also the willingness to stay with it when we're in the hard place um, in, you know, certain learning models. Like one of the learning models I think about a lot is there's a place in, I think it's the competence learning model. And there's this place that they call uh, conscious incompetence. And it's that place where it's hard. It's that place where you don't know, you don't know how to do the thing as well as you want to know how to do it or how, as well as it can be done. And, and you're super aware of it, usually because it's really hard. Um, and so that is the place resiliency is, is being willing to say, like, I'm going to stick with the hard, like, um, you know, I stick with the suck a little bit because I know what's on the other side of it and I'm willing to keep going in that space. So when I think about resiliency sometimes in 
in my life and in, in what I want my kiddos to know and what I want my clients to think about is like, how do we stick with the hard long enough to get to the place where there is that beautiful something on the other side that we're working toward? Yeah, I don't know that I would add much more to it besides, you know, I love that it's a part of our learning and growing. And I just, I especially as my lens, being in HR for many years and watching individuals grow in that area of trying to learn resiliency or becoming becoming a better employee, which I hope in turn obviously influences other aspects of their life. Uh, and then now raising children as well. Like it's just, it's a skill set you have to learn. And it, it's not something, you know, we talked about it earlier on the webinar. It's not something like we're born with this, you know, certain level and that's where we are and where we'll always be. It's going to be this continuum of learning that we'll continue to do. So Jill, I think that's a really great definition of what it is. Mm -hmm. it, will, it will continue to evolve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what it's not that you, that is, it's not just immediately bouncing back. It's not immediately yes. that you're like the thing happens and we're back. Like it, there is a process. There is time. Of, it takes time. It takes intentionality in being able to reflect and go, here's where I've grown. So it's not just the like bounce back kind of thing. I don't think of it as like the bouncy ball that, you know, you throw and it just comes right. It's, it's more like, you know, in some ways, maybe it's more like those sticky hands that you had as a kid that you like threw against the wall and then they like slowly yeah. reach down. Um, and sometimes like the sticky hand, you get stuck, right? You're stuck in the initial place that you were. And then eventually that movement starts to slowly happen. So I think the myth that it's just like, we do the thing and then we bounce back or we have the yeah. learning and we're like right back at it. I, I don't think that's accurate. And the other thing that Juanita pointed out really well in the webinar is that resiliency isn't, um, a thing you either have or don't have. It's something you can grow. It's something you can learn. It's something that you can continue to develop. And I think that's something to remember. Oh, the other thing, Juanita and I were talking about this in between quickly, is the idea of... Um, you can be really, she shared an example and she was like, oh gosh, um, you know, of like, here's an example in, in my life where I'm really resilient and my partner might not be as resilient. I think remembering that our resiliency looks different in different seasons of life and different situations with different people. So again, there are some places that like, I'm like, yes, I know that I've done that. I can bounce on that. But even though that's how I was able to move through that process, that doesn't mean that somebody else would follow the exact same journey and have the exact same outcome. And it also doesn't mean that if you put Juanita and I in the same situation, that we both would feel resilient in it in any other way. So I think there is, there's nuance to it in the scenarios and the seasons of life and what's happening and, and what that looks like, but I, it is able to be developed no matter what. Right. I love, I love calling out a knot because it's, it's a good way for us to think of it. Cause I would add to your knot is it's also not tenacity or grit. Like that's, that's different, right. To finish some, you know, like to, to stick at it, but to be resilient, you know, is to adapt and to, you know, continue to move forward with whatever it is, you know, um, positive negative. Cause I, I think that can be a misconception of resiliency that it's only with negative things. There are positive things where you have to be resilient as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I like saying something that's not, Jill, yeah. that was great. I was thinking about, um, 
we teach a class on, on hardiness, which hardiness and resilience are used sort of interchangeably, right? But the, there's a, um, a point where students will come together and they will, they'll climb a, a mountain. They'll do like this pretty extreme hike. And so, but, but I think that it puts resilience within this context of grit of what you're talking about, Juanita, where it's like, you need to show up and you need to be tough and push through the pain. Yeah. Like, yes, that's something, but there's also like this idea that resilience can be like soft and it can also be like restful or, or calm or, um, or even like feminine. Cause I think that there's sort of this like masculinity that we put it into. So, um, yeah, I, I agree thinking about the not, and then it doesn't always have to be this just like tough grit. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that we might categorize it as, um, often. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to talk more about how we can develop it within ourselves because, um, I feel like there's, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but it feels like there's these two big sides to it in life. And it's like on a day-to-day basis, it's like, how are we having to show up and be resilient on a daily basis? What are the small inconveniences or annoyances that are going on in life that we have to figure out how to be resilient? And then there's also this other side of life that there's these big issues that people deal with. There's loss and there's grief and there's trauma. And then there's this whole other side of being resilient. And, you know, of course, both are things that you can learn and be better and have processes for. Um, but I'm sure we'd all agree that it's important to have practices in in place for yourself and ideals within yourself so that you can then, you know, go and give the most to others. Um, And later we'll talk about like resilience in more of a community sense and how you can be a, you know, resilient leader and give that to others. But I want to just talk about some daily practices that you can implement to be more resilient in your personal life, just for you yourself. And that's it. Um, And I want to start out by the first kind of side of this, just like on a day-to-day basis, daily inconveniences, daily annoyances that you might go through. What are some things that people can do on a, on a daily basis to just deal with life and just have those practices and values in place? I think of one of the things that we we talked about this in the webinar, but I've realized it's been a, a valuable point of my resiliency, you know, learning continuum of uh, ensuring technology is working for me, not against me or running my life. Mm-hmm. And so as, as silly as this may sound, for me, it was, okay, first turning off notifications of social media. So then I'm not starting my day with all these notifications. And then for me, it evolved into I'm going to limit that. And then at this point, I'm just not present on social media because that just at this stage of my life, that's just not the energy I want to spend. But what I what I was able to be reflective on is at I although I was following things I enjoyed, right? Like the home decor, parenting, you know, things and you know, the funny memes, right? There were points of it that I found were um, not helping me to stay in that positive mindset. And in particular, for me, it happened to be a a parenting one that I really liked and loved following. Um, But then I started to see the positive message as, oh, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this kind of uh, talk track in my head. And so I realized I need to go intentionally seek that out when I'm in a place where I can be open to hearing that feedback, right, and hearing that message and then apply that in my life instead of starting my day feeling like I'm not doing that. 
Does that, does that make sense? Am I articulating that? Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like when you know, like it's, it's when you started to do it that way, then it automatically became comparison based. And then yeah. it was deficit based for you. Yes. Here's, here's what's, here's, here's how I'm not living up to that or not yes. doing. That. Yes. And, and, you know, for all of us, right. We have all these things that we value and we want to be really good at. And so it was, okay, how can I ensure that my day is, is started out in this positive mindset? And so that, that for me was a huge thing and, and just ensuring what are the other things that it helped me get into the positive right mindset. And I think that can be different for everyone. Maybe it is social media and you only follow certain things that are uplifting, or maybe it's prayer, or maybe it's meditation, or maybe it's a certain podcaster that you listen to every day, but ensuring what are the things that start your day to get into that positive mindset and knowing that it may be different for you or different in a season of life, that's okay. And, and adjusting as you go again, adapting to that resilience. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I saw someone post on social media, of course, the other day, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is so true. And it's okay. not only yeah. like, so true. And it's like, not only that, and it's like what you can take that and you can like save it in your brain to think about on a daily basis. But like, how do you really make sure that you're implementing practices to make sure that you know that, but then like your life is reflecting it. And so that there's actually things in place that are going to make you feel that way. So I love that. I love something you just said, Juanita, that I would say is a resiliency practice for me is the idea of seasons. Like what season of life am I in right now? And acknowledging that my life has seasons to it as well. And our family life has seasons to it as well. And my business life has seasons. And so it, it means being really intentional about acknowledging what feels right for that season and what is right for that season, whether what is right for that season doesn't feel convenient to me, but it is the right thing for that season. Um, or like that there's something that's really joyful and to know that eventually that, that specific thing or that source of joy might not be there anymore. And so the other thing that's allowed me to do is be able to say, am I doing the best with what I have in this season or in this day? I remember that being a mantra for me in, in new mommyhood in the early days when I was like, I don't like, they sent me home and I'm supposed to keep this thing alive now. Like, what do you, this is not okay. Um, <laughs> but it was this idea of like, am I doing the best that I can with what I have this day and knowing that on each day, my best looked different. And so what does that mean to, to assess my best? also with the season or the moment to say, does that match right now? Um, the other thing for me is being really intentional about what am I feeling? Um, I think it's one of the things that, uh, I, it's a Glennon Doyle quote, but I love it, but she talks about how our feelings are a doorbell. And when we notice a feeling, we get the chance to open the door and see what is actually going on there. So that's something that I've had to work really hard with myself. I think I I grew up in a family. They're lovely. If you all listen to this, I love you. And (laughs) we had, and it's really common, right? It was like, be happy. And if you're frustrated or sad or these things, like go and take care of that on your own, but don't, don't bring that to others. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I don't think that my range of emotions growing up was as wide as, what it could have been, but I also don't think that there was as much conversation about emotion or research about emotions and what those mean or podcasts or things to listen to. Um, so now I'm really cognizant of trying to go, okay, what is, what am I actually feeling? What does that mean? And sometimes that means that there's 
there are these great things online called um, wheels of emotion. It almost looks like the color palettes that they have, you know, for artists, but it's all the different emotions and groups into different places. Okay. Like, oh, I think it's this emotion. And then when I look and see all these other emotions, I'm like, oh, it's actually this. And that helps me get to the, why is this important to me? Why do I need, like, what's happening here that rang my doorbell and now I get to make some sense of it. So I think that's the other thing is to know that I can actually get more cognizant about what's happening with my life. And when I can name what's really underneath it, it allows me to show up in the best way possible. But it means being really intentional sometimes in those really sucky feelings and in stuff that doesn't feel so fun. And I think there's a part too, I love that you mentioned, you know, like your business or the job, like some jobs are really emotionally um, taxing. And and Jill, like I'm sure previous role. And even now, like, you know, people are sharing very in-depth personal things. I know I feel that in my own job. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I'm insane for you, Jill, I'm sure where we're the first people that somebody has actually said this to. And now the next step is how to get them the resource, you know, good or bad or, or, or indifferent of something, but it's something really heavy, or we're helping a team through something or our leadership team or uh, a manager or even a family member. And so have knowing what it, how can you be present in that moment and then also be resilient enough to process it? And then, um, I used to have an old CEO that said this to me and George Aranon, if you're, if you're listening, but this came from him is you have to save enough for home. And I just, that quote stuck with me for, it has stuck with me forever. And so what do you need to do to prepare your mental state? to then be enough for home. So you're, there's going to be days, right? There will be, but for the most part, what are the things that you you're going to do at the end of your work day or the end of that meeting to then help yourself be resilient, to shift that mind, to be auntie, to be the best friend, to be the partner, to be the parent, to help that shift happen so that you can save enough for home. And I think that's a, an important part of resiliency as working professionals and especially depending on your job. Juanita, I would say too, and Juanita alludes to this, but my previous role, like I did stuff with public health and emotional well-being of college students. And that meant that we got to celebrate them on really good days. And it also meant that we were right next to them on the worst day. So I've sat with people as they were getting, you know, going through the intake process for a psychiatric evaluation. I've sat with people post-sexual assault. I've sat with students who um, have lost their roommates by suicide. And that was one of the things that I think, and I don't want to take this too deep, too, too fast, but I mean, that was one of the things that I started to realize that I didn't have enough for home anymore. There wasn't enough for home for me to come home and be resilient and be the person that I wanted to be for my family. So when they get whatever's left, that didn't feel good either. Right. So then like, let's compound the mom guilt and all of the stuff of like, how do I do this? And then, you know, Emily referenced in the beginning in 2018, we had a third baby on the way and we lost that baby about 20 weeks pregnancy. And Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done that grief. And how do you be resilient in that? And so resiliency in that time meant, okay, some days I'm going to be able to get up and do the things that I need to do for the day. And some days I'm not resiliency meant I looked at my boss at that point and said, guess what? I'm not coming back to work right now. I'm taking leave. Like I would have, if I'd had a full-term pregnancy and I will let you know what I need next resiliency meant meant asking my boss to say, I need my work team to not contact me right now because it's taking everything I have to be present for my kiddos at home and my partner. And so I can't, 
I can't manage anybody else's emotions right now. So I think that's also a factor of resiliency sometimes is the ability to say, here are the boundaries that I have to have right now. And here's what I have to do in this season um, Mm -hmm. to be able to do, to be able to stand where I need to with what's most important. Um, And so eventually that was that time away super hard, very hard grieving time. But it also was the time that I said, guess what? I can't go back to my previous job. I can't go back to that because that's not, I think I was so transformed in the process and in being with my own grief and doing that. But it was, it also was an opportunity to say, that's a really great job. It was awesome. And that's not who I am anymore. And that's not what's right anymore. That's we're not in that season. That season has sunset. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there also was a lot of freedom in that. There's also a lot of freedom in being able to say like, guess what? That thing no longer aligns with who I am or where I was. And to be able to step fully into the next thing is also pretty damn amazing. It just, the process of getting there was not. (laughs) Totally. I feel like resiliency is so in line with just being present with yourself on a day-to-day basis. And Mm -hmm. just, I mean, that just, I feel like everything you're saying is just like, be present with yourself, understand how you feel that day and that's okay. And that's it. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think it's present and gentle because it's really, sometimes we can be present with ourselves and then just beat ourselves up for that. So, so it is also the presence and the self compassion merged and that's like it's hard and so worth it we want to take a moment to give thanks to our two presenting sponsors of the living leadership series stcu and integris architecture at community organizations throughout the inland northwest STCU employees are leading with intentionality and purpose. They are supported by a Spokane-based credit union that provides time off for volunteerism, abundant leadership development opportunities, and tuition reimbursement as part of a generous benefits package. To learn more about joining a team that's here for good, visit stcu.org. A long-standing contributor to Spokane's built environment, Integris Architecture designs buildings that shape the public realm, including schools, libraries, and popular civic spaces like the Podium and the Hive. After recently coming together with YGH Architecture, Integris now has offices in Spokane, Seattle, and Portland, where they continue to extend their impact throughout the Pacific Northwest, building better communities and supporting environmental and social justice in their work and office cultures. When we were talking during the the webinar, you all mentioned the three the three P's and as being sort of um, kind of like how to th- a way to think about resiliency, and um, it it triggered for me this memory of the three C's, which I've learned about um, through again like the the leadership and hardiness course I was referencing before, but um, talking about like strategies for building resilience, and so the three C's are commitment, control, and challenge, mm-hmm. um, and. And I, I would love to hear, I'll, I'll kind of tell you about like how, how they frame each of these, but I'm kind of curious to hear from each of you, maybe an example of like one of those for you um, personally, or just one that you, that you, um, you know, think others could share that you, that you would know of um, if you don't feel comfortable sharing personally necessarily. But so the first one commitment is just this idea of like having, having something that you're committed to in, in the midst of, if there's challenge happening, having something that you're committed to. So I think about this a lot you know, we talked about like meaning or purpose during, during the webinar. Um, and, and those are things that, that, that kind of anchor you when, when other things feel maybe sort of adrift. So when you both think about commitment, um, as being one of those practices, what kind of comes to mind for each of you? 
kids. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I think yeah. it's kids. Yeah. But, yeah. And I think if you would have asked me pre-kids, it would have been like my job, right? Yeah. So it's interesting because again, oh, I think it's development, yeah. Seasons yeah. of life. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I've got a 10-year-old and a seven-year-old right now. So I'm I'm it's that commitment is what are the things that I want to role model and teach them and be present for? It's things like, um, you know, I drive every day to pick up and drop my kids off at school. We live kind of rurally. So that's about a 15 minute car ride each way. And, and especially when gas prices are out there, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> and I would, there's nothing I would trade in the world for, for a half hour of time with them right after school to hear how the day went and hear the things and be with them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's being committed to them and in almost in investing in them. I don't know what the long-term outcome is going to be y'all. I hate to say it, but kids are like retirement accounts. You like keep putting these little things in and you're like, <laughs> please have it work out. Um, but, but it is like, I nicely. Great. I want to see that. Like interest return keep going up. Yeah. yeah. But it is like that opportunity yeah. to then you, you know, be really committed and with them. Um, and sometimes that means that, that I'm still showing up on the days when I'm like, y'all, mama needs a break. Um, but it's also in those moments of saying, I love you and I can show up as my best self. If you give me an, if you let me go read a book for a half hour, or I need to go take a bath or I'm going to go outside and garden or whatever it is. So it's also the commitment to tell them why, like, why is this important? And let's try to see the bigger picture. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would echo all that. I, I don't do, my husband does drop off, but I do pick up. So I'm the same where it's like that time. And I love that. And filling them with snacks and then hearing about their day. And especially as my youngest is starting to talk more about his day and, you know, it's, it's just such a special time. And so I think of, you know, the, the commitments to help me be resilient are those opportunities where I get to, I, I get to unplug from my day and it's okay to walk away from the work, you know, both physically and mentally and, um, have that drive to go pick up my kids and, and have that time with them that recharges me. Right. That's, that's something like, that's a commitment I, I have to keep that I need. Um, and it, that gets me ready for, you know, the next day, like it really, it really does. So absolutely. I think if it's not, I mean, yes, there'll be people who are listening who don't have kids. What yeah. is the thing that's bigger than yourself that you go that I feel like I am giving something, something that aligns with your values that you're showing up for that, you know, even if it's the toughest weeks, but you're, you volunteer or it's for your family or your friends or whatever it is. So it's, it, it doesn't have to be kids. It, it can be just, what is that thing that's bigger than you that you can't imagine not having even in the hard times. That's a great way to think about it is like getting outside of yourself a little bit too, to see like, yeah. Cause I think it's pretty easy to get, to get pretty internal. And we, that's a lot of what we've talked about, right. Is kind of that self-awareness and self-care, mm-hmm. but also going beyond yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the second two, and maybe I'll just tell you what that, what they are. And then you guys can each pick one. I want to be cognizant of our, of our time. And I feel like we could talk about this for, for many hours, but um, <laughs> so the other, the other two are control and challenge. So control is sort of, you know, again, when you're sort of in the, in the midst of, of um, something that's, that's difficult, knowing where you can exercise control and putting your energy there. So thinking like, what's your sphere of influence and how can you have an impact there? And then challenge being really this willingness to lean into the difficult 
difficulty or to lean into something that is challenging you and, and encouraging you to, to grow or providing you an opportunity to learn um, and kind of focusing on some of that when things seem seem difficult. So I'll just throw both of those out there if either of you wanna um, want to throw out any ideas or examples from your own life. Yeah, I think for me, control and challenge, like a great example was something a couple of weeks ago, someone had brought something up. It totally brought some stuff up in me that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was whatever's happening inside of me right now feels really icky and I, but I can't solve it myself. Like I've used all the tools I have. So like, let's get back into my therapist. Right. And I hadn't seen her in a little while, but like the minute I went in there was able to go to here's all of the things. And she was able to go, Oh, okay. Here's what I'm hearing you say. Here's what that is. Here's what you can do. It was just that process of almost in some ways being willing to say like, here's where I feel out of control right now. And to have somebody reflect that back to me. So I think it's also, and and the mechanism I knew when I didn't feel like I was in control was therapy is the, is one of the ways that I can get back to being the best version of myself in that space. So I think it is that moment of like almost recognizing here's where I'm not in control and being able to name that to then be able to go, okay, where, if I know that that's not what I can do, then what can I do? Yeah, I love I love that Jill and a huge, huge supporter see therapists myself as well. And I think everybody needs an opportunity at any season in their life um, to be self-reflective. So um when I think of those two words, I'm trying to think what one stood out, but in those situations where maybe you know there's been a shift or there's um there's this opportunity to stop and reflect when something's, you know, the challenge part, I, I think of like, well, tell me more, tell me more. And because I, I feel like when we learn more about the lens that maybe an individual or a, a division is coming with or a change is happening, we can better understand it. Um, so if we're not getting the information we need to help, you know, get ourselves to acceptance, to get ourselves to agreement, and, and maybe we don't agree, but we, to get ourselves to acceptance at, at the very minimum, um, you know, just the, the, tell me more. So tell me more why we're, you know, doing this change or tell me why tomorrow is the effective date and not, you know, two weeks from now. And, you know, so just those types of things really help me, um, to feel like I have a sense of control, but it just, again, more information, right. To, to help better understand. That's neat. I'll add, that's one of the three most common coaching questions I use is tell me more. Mm-hmm. What's the story you're creating about this? Oh, yeah. what feels important about this? Ooh, because yeah. once we get to those, because oftentimes our first answers aren't the real answer. The first answer is the first thing that came to our head. But if we can go to, well, tell me more about that. Wow. That what feels really important about that right now? Yeah. You know, yeah. What's the story that you've created out of what, you know, is there, what are the stories that your brain is starting to trick you into believing? Mm-hmm. Then you have the opportunity to step back, but, it, but our first answers are often not the answer. It's just, it's just the first like layer of the onion that we're peeling back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, Kelsey and I were saying when we were talking about this too, is that we were both arguing that there should be a fourth C and that that should be connection. Um, and I, and we definitely want to kind of start switching gears to talk about how this topic is applied in a community sense as well. Um, and I guess the first question I want to ask you too, is just why is fostering meaningful connections such an integral part of building up your resilience and how you're giving that to others. I think belonging, we all want to know we belong and connected, right? Humans weren't meant to, to exist in isolation. So in so many ways, I think that connection 
is a fundamental human need that we have. Um, and, and in a community perspective, the reality is also that, you know, in a workplace community per se, we know that if, if somebody is connected to just one other person in their workplace, they're, the likelihood of them being retained and their happiness at work increases a ton. Um, and similar, right? When we think about mental health or other things, the people who haven't had or don't have those connections are at much higher risk of really, really awful health outcomes all the way up to things like suicide. So all of that data tells me, right, that connection is so important. And I also know the moments when I have felt disconnected are the loneliest moments of my life. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't think I would add any. I mean, it's, it's, it is. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, John. As we think about, um, you know, thinking about like community resilience or, um, you know, what, it, what that means in the different contexts that can be in, right? So you can think about collectively, that might be a family, it might be a community, um, it might be a church group, it might be, um, you know, a board that you're on. Um, so what, what about, like, what steps do you think that we can take to knowing that we might have these tools to sort of build our own resilience? How do we start to kind of take that externally? How do we start to maybe bring others into that and kind of foster some of that, those similar senses of, um, of resiliency within, within groups or, or teams or communities? What do you think about that? I think a lot of it is modeling it in our own lives, because even in those roles, even if you're, you know, sitting side by side, you know, in a, in a boardroom, a board meeting, or even like a PTO group or something of that nature, like you are still sitting side by side with other humans, right, that you're connecting with, and just advocating, essentially for yourself and what you need um, and ensuring that you're, you're modeling that like, oh, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make that meeting, you know, I have this appointment or I have this, you know, thing for my children. So you're showing that, you know, prioritization of not only yourself, but, you know, your values or, the, you know, got to get the dog from doggy daycare. My dog used to do that back in the day. So, you know, those types of things that you're, you're showing those. Um, and then the, I think people say like, oh, it's, it's okay. Right. For us to say, and as, as board leaders or, or, you know, I think of like committee leaders or things of that, opening the the invitation for we're not going to just have a standing meeting on this day but like let's let's dialogue about what time of day or things like that that work better because then we're already putting that out there that we're really open to that everybody has different things that are pulling in their lives and we're creating that space for it so I think that can be really important as as community leaders who are serving in these volunteer roles but that we're still cognizant is of although you're in these volunteer roles you still have the things that you value of life and, and a life obligation. So ensuring those things are still taking place. Yeah, absolutely. And that I, I, I feel like you both mentioned that in the webinar too, of just how important it is for leaders to be modeling for the yeah. people. That are, yeah. Um, well, I want to be really cognizant of our time. I know we were like, Kelsey and I were like, oh, we'll only need 45 minutes. It's we can totally do it in 45 minutes. And now we like literally could probably use another hour. So I apologize that this conversation has to be a little bit cut short today. But um, we always like to end by asking our presenters um, what they're feeling most energized by right now. So I would love to just hear from both of you. What's giving you energy just in life? Gosh, I am 
I don't, Winters and I don't really agree. So right now I have so much energy uh, in the fact that things are turning green outside and the sun is showing up more and that um, I'm a big, I love to be outside gardening. So that season is coming back. And then I think the other thing that I'm really energized by is I'm taking a, a big trip in three weeks. And so for me, I need a chunk of time where I can set down the mental load of, of being a mom and what that requires and what that takes. And so I am really looking forward to seven days in the sun with nobody yelling mom at me. Love my Where are you going? I am going to be in the Dominican Republic. So oh, yeah, I'm very, very excited again, love my kids so, so much. And I just to be able to set down the mental load of like whose laundry is done and his lunch is our lunch is packed and all of that other stuff that is like the New York Times stock ex- exchange ticker of like the brain that never shuts off. So that is what I am so looking forward to and getting tons of energy by right now. I feel like you're really intentional about using the word and instead of but, and I love that. Like um, our old um, one of our um, previous uh, deans in school leadership studies actually would always remind us of that as well, but just my kids this 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 and I feel this way and it's never like but I feel like I've heard you say that multiple times and yeah but puts things that next to each other makes them seem like they're mutually exclusive that they can't both exist at the same time and the reality is I can absolutely love my kids and I can absolutely need to set down the load of everything that that requires of me at times so yeah what about you Nita what are you getting what are you getting energy from yeah I, I think I'm still on like our vacation high so we just got back from a trip to Maui with our two boys. And it was just so nice to, I mean, it was a three hour time zone difference, but it still was nice to not be on a schedule. Um, so at times chaotic, but great. And just to see, you know, I, I love getting the opportunity to see the world through their eyes and especially new experiences, right? The ocean, the aquarium, the beach, um, a, a quote unquote new pool they thought was really cool. So, you know, just <laughs> it just uh, shaved ice was a huge hit. I mean, um, of course it is, you know, sugar, colorful sugar, water, on top of shaved ice. So, um, so that, and then I would say in the same light, what's continuing to give me energy is, uh, last, last calendar year, school year, if you will. Um, I signed up my oldest for soccer and we showed up and he refused to do it. And so I joked that it was a $90 uh, 3T t-shirt is really what we got. We got a 3T t-shirt for $90. So he stepped one foot on the field and said, no, thank you. He was not, he is not about it. And I, it was one of those just, you know, parenting moments of like, do I push through? Do I not? And I was just like, this is, this is not one of those that I'm going to. And then this year he asked to do soccer and he loves it. And so to see this transition and he can't wait to put on his shin guards and his cleats and his jersey, and he's just out there having a really great time. It's just, it it reminds me in the sense of just employees and teams, right? To watch that personal growth and to see that in him, it's, it's giving me a lot of energy. So loving it. That's amazing. Well, thank you both so much for being willing to have this conversation with us. We're always thrilled to have you participate in anything that we do. So thanks for being here. Um, Just to wrap up, um, we, you can find this podcast as well as the webinar recording and all the other recordings, as well as future registration links, all the things on our website, www.gonzaga.edu slash webinars. Um, And then quickly, next time we're talking about building confidence as a community leader. Um, That's going to be on May 10th, um, 12 p.m. for the live webinar. And then the podcast will be on Spotify within the week afterwards as well. Um, I think that's all we have for you today. So thank you for everybody listening. And thanks again, and Juanita. It's so, so nice to catch up with you too. 
Thanks, thanks for the interview. Always Thanks, fun. everyone.